Welcome back to the Salt Podcast Season 2, where our vision is to create and prepare disciples ready to influence the world. My name is Jaden. Hey, what's crackalacking, guys? My name's Toby, and we've got another awesome guest with us today. Mr. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Brock Goodall, and I work here at Avondale College. University College, sorry. Get it it right. I know. (laughs) Cool. So today we're just going to talk a little bit about fear. Uh, With the the problems that we're having in the world at the moment, fear is a topic that I think is very relevant, and it's something that a lot of people are dealing with and not always dealing with well. So we're going to talk about that. But before we step into that space, we're going to just have some get-to-know-you questions. So straight up, we've got your name. But let's hear about background, family, what do you do here, Avondale University College, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so you want to know, so what I do, I am the chaplain. So I break it into three things. Number one, pastorally care for staff and students. Number two, make sure that intentional events happen. And then number three, pour in and equip mentor student leaders. So I love it. Obviously, right now, a lot of those have taken a smidgen of a pause, (laughs) but that's okay because we're investing in other spaces and being creative. Uh, But yes, I'm the chaplain here and I love it. Uh, I have a family. My wife's name is Cindy, uh, but we call her Sin, uh, which is fine for us, but I understand how in a Christian context that's a bit weird for a pastor to be married to Sin, but whatever. Um, And we have a three-year-old son named Ezra, um, and he's he's pretty great. very cute. Thanks, man. No, he's he's, uh, very strong-willed. We were watching in church the last oh. time it was it was running actually, mm. and we saw that you left early. Not sure why, but he was not having a fun time. <laughs> yeah, my wife was at home sick, so it was just me and my son. I'm like, okay, dude, like we got this. Let's work through it. And then, yeah, nah, we, we exhausted all options and we had to go home. But praise the Lord for live stream, hey? Yeah, absolutely. So background: where have you come from? Yep, I came from Tassie. Yep, so grew up there uh, and then left in 2009 when I came to Avondale College to study ministry and theology, and then I've been there ever since. Um, but I, I like it there. It's awesome. I probably wouldn't live there now. It's a little bit sort of... Well, you can't go there at the moment. The borders are closed. We're on lockdown, <laughs> yep. Um, but it'd be an awesome place. I, I love going back to it. You yeah. know what I mean? I find it very relaxing. It's a lot more slower pace, more island mentality. I love it. It's very cool. Sick. Yeah. All right, well, let's. we've got four questions just yes. to learn a little bit more about you and the way your brain works. Okay. First question is being a tech, a tech, tech, <laughs> nice, a tech savvy person. Yep. What is one device you recommend and why? One device is tricky. Just one. It's very tricky. So I was thinking about this, right? Because you wonderful humans give us a little bit of heads up with some questions. Uh, and yeah, yeah, Mitch is pointing to an expensive sound box. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but what I would do, honestly, I think, I think I would say Apple Watch or some form of smartwatch. I, th- I, I wear an Apple Watch because I'm in the ap- Apple ecosystem and I love it. But I love just having, I've always liked watches, right? But now with the Series 5, how it's always on, so it actually can tell the time all the time, which is quite nice. But I love that it gives me all the data that I needed a glimpse. I really like that. I can see what percentage of rain it's going to be. I can see my exercise stats. I can see what temperature it is, what the dew point is, which by the way, found out some fun facts. Want to know some fun facts about dew points? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do. So you know how people say like today's really, really humid and like it's a bit muggy today? You know, it's got not heaps to do with actual humidity percent. It's got more to do with the dew point, the temperature at which like the water, the, the air turns to like moisture. So if you've got a dew point of like, I think it's above like 16, 17 degrees. That's where most people start to think it's getting a bit muggy. Anything over 19 is muggy, muggy, muggy. Anything like 24 and above is oppressive. Right now we have a dew point of 18 degrees, which mm-hmm. means it's really starting to feel a little, just a little muggy. So it's not hot, but it's muggy. <laughs> I can find all that out on my wrist. 
Wow. Well, we're now an educational podcast. <laughs> I think we're learning a little bit about how your brain works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's so fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm a massive fan of the smartwatches and love mm-hmm. using mine. Um, I'm stuck in the Android ecosystem mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, absolutely loving that. So our next question we've got for you is if you were to wake up one day. Yeah. And I know this might be a bit of a nightmare for you, but you wake up one yeah. day and you find you've got 2,000 unread emails. Wow. All right, and Those you can dots. only and you can only reply yep. to three hundred of them. Mm-hmm. How do you prioritize which ones you reply to? Great question. I've sat in class where you have taken it, and this would literally be your worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even get triggered when you look at somebody else's phone and you see all the red dots. I despise it <laughs> so much. So I run like an inbox zero mentality, which means that like I don't have my emails open all the day, but at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, I clear my emails. So I only look at them twice a day, but then I clear them out. So to have have two thousand unread would be um, was it two thousand? Yeah, that's a little stressful. How would I how would I deal with it? Triage, baby, triage. So I think to myself, <laughs> who are the most important people that I need to respond to? And I've already got my VIP list, so like my personal contacts, so they would already be filtered. But then I might put like my boss, um, all the people I report to, key student leaders, and then the first 200 of those I would respond to. But triage, baby, that's the way to go. Far out. <laughs> you, you have far too much... Um just everything's just so sorted. Well, need to stop. (laughs) It's making me feel bad. (laughs) I feel like my life's not even close to the level of automation that it should be. (laughs) Now that's a fun thing, automation, but that's not what our podcast is about. I wish it was. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Next question. I really (laughs) like this one. Yeah. I don't know how I would answer it. So I'm glad you're answering. Describe the color yellow to someone who is blind. They've never seen it before. Do you know what? When I was thinking about the first word that came to mind was spicy. I think the color yellow is spicy. Expand. <laughs> I don't know. That's, That's just it. It's just it's spicy. The yellowness just brings to my mind, like the first thing that I equate it to is like, okay, so if you can't comprehend color, what would I say? Spicy. Because sometimes the color yellow can be quite like assaulting on the vision. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. particularly bright yellow, much like spice, but some people in the right dose, spice can be wonderful but too much can be horrific i think that's like the color yellow like when people use yellow to highlight things i don't think it looks very nice so it's like confronting much like spices so yeah spicy gentlemen that's actually really good just to expand on that that that's fantastic that's a great way to explain it um but i've definitely thought about how i'd explain being blind to someone because when you Mm. think about it when you're blind we think oh just close your eyes and that's what it's like Mm. But not really, because mm. when you close your eyes, you see black. Right. But blind people don't even see that if they're born mm. blind. It's like, it's like <laughs> try to imagine looking out of your elbow. Yeah, right. You <laughs> looking out of your elbow right now is how blind people see out of their eyes. Yeah. How weird. Hectic. Good times, eh? Mind warp. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch looks rattled. Yeah, Mitch is, Mitch is over there editing and recording for us, and he doesn't know what to do right now. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, Toby, last question. A last question we've got here is you've been given an elephant. Mm, of course I have. Right? Yep. Um, and you can't give it away or sell it. What would you do with your elephant? I can't give it away. Absolutely not. Oh, I misread that. <laughs> oh, I am not prepared. Time to think on our feet. Um, so the question again was, I've been given an elephant. Can't give it away. What would I do? Can't sell it either. Okay. You own it now. It's like your child. I'd probably do some quick research, <laughs> like how not to kill an elephant. Um, just get some 101 tips. Elephants for dummies or something. I don't know. Try and learn a baseline amount of information to try and help it 
thrive? I don't know, and not trample my household? What did you think the question was and what was your answer going to be to that? Yeah, good. <laughs> I thought you said like, you can give it away or sell it. What would you do? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not going to sell it because that seems morally wrong. And I would give it away to somebody who knew what they were doing with an elephant. Right. Well, this question is far more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a bit of Googling, I think, is what I would do. Awesome. Well, I reckon you'd be pretty scared if you had an elephant. Yeah. How oh, is segue. that? How is that for a segue? That's, That's good. Yeah, thank you. Um, cool. So we're talking about fear. Yeah. Uh, let's let's define it first so we know what we're talking about. Hmm. Um, when you think about fear, when when you're given the topic of fear, what what it does what does that mean to you? Yeah, good. I'm I'm interested by it. I think that like emotions that we have, like a lot of emotions just kind of, they happen automatically, right? Because of either something that's going on chemically, a reaction in our, in our brain, or something that's come from our environment, our lived experience. So I like looking at like automated responses to things and emotions that happen and asking the question like, why is that? And trying to understand it. So particularly when it comes to fear, because it's something that is super relatable to, I find it really interesting. Even today, we had a fear moment. Um, so I was sitting in my office, it was early in the morning and um, Pastor Alex came into my office just to say, say good morning and I put my hand down on my chair that I was sitting on to lean back and I got bitten by like a massive bullet <laughs> like it was huge like half the size of my pinky finger like it was which now doesn't sound very impressive but it, it was pretty it's an huge. Ant. that's a big ant it's a big ant and I just flicked it off and made a very manly scream which is awesome um do we need to fact check that or no oh, you could ask Alex we've got photographic evidence as well we can show you but even in that moment, right? Like I was scared. The question is like, why? Why was I scared? And if I asked that question, it was because I didn't know what was going on. It was the fear of the unknown. I had an emotion of fear because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't expect it. It, it, it shocked me. It confronted me and I wasn't prepared for it. And then when I was bitten, I didn't know what it was. Mm. So then all of a sudden, because you don't know what something is, your mind runs and starts filling in the gaps, right? Because as human beings, we're like meaning-making machines. Mm. We love to look at something and try and make meaning of it. That's why we tell stories. That's why like religion is so powerful because it helps us take what we see and brings meaning to it. So for me then, being bitten by something, my meaning-making brain goes, oh, that's probably going to kill you. <laughs> uh, and it's probably like a spider and your finger's going to drop off or something. But like I'm then scrambling to try and make meaning. And the fear only stopped when I found out what it was which is interesting. So Pastor Alex and I have got our torches out, like looking all over my office because I flicked it off. Uh, and then when we found it attached, like a wave of comfort, like I literally felt the fear just leave because then I could see what it was. And I realized, oh, I don't have an irrational fear of ants. If it was a spider, we'd be in a different story. <laughs> Legit. But then uh, we dealt with it, that ant, um, and then the fear went away. Don't add us, Peter. Oh, yeah. Animal protection. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's fine. We're okay. <laughs> uh, so that I, I love how we went on a journey there. Yep. Let's do it in a sentence. Okay. What do you want in a sentence? What's fear? Okay. Uh, the, what is fear without using the word fear? I just I describe it just quickly off the top of my head as the fear of the unknown. So it's like when we don't know something. Yeah. Yeah. I awesome. think that's when fear kicks in. So I like that, and I want to run with that. But before okay. we do, we. Afraid of something that we don't know, but then people can still be afraid of something that they know very, very yeah. well and very intricate, intricately. Yeah. So how do we work with that? Good. So I think like not knowing is not just not knowing what the thing is, but not knowing where this will go mm. or what will happen with it or not necessarily being able to go like, okay, I know that I know what this thing is. I know it's an ant and I know that it will crawl on my hand and then it'll 
go away, right? Like I know that. So I'm probably not going to be afraid of that. But if I see an ant on my hand that I wasn't expecting, my brain kicks into fear because one, I wasn't expecting and two, I don't know where this thing's going. Like my not knowing kicks mm. into gear. And obviously fear comes from a bunch of different things. Like I said before, like my fear of spiders is in a lot of way completely irrational. But the reason that I have it is because my mum's full-blown arachnophobic. So <laughs> I, like full-blown. We were walking in a shop one day, my poor mum, bless her heart. And it was like an old antique store. And uh, like a huntsman dropped from the roof and fell on her. She whipped her top off so fast, it's not even funny. This is my mother. And she wouldn't like, would mortify the poor thing. But the fear was so irrational and so overcoming that she did something that was so out of character for her. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now because I witnessed that, I fear it. And that's the fun thing about fear though, right? Is because then when you can kind of look at it and maybe take a bit of distance to it and understand or maybe look into why you have fear around something, then you can sort of start to work with it in a more healthy way. Nice. Um, so just kind of segue, or not segueing, but leading into this word fear. Yeah. Um, in class, in theology and stuff, we hear this word, um, we read it in the Bible all the time to fear the Lord. Hmm. Now, the example that you've just given us is a bit, Sounds a bit out of character to hmm. be fearing God yeah. in that sense. Is yeah. that generally what like the original context of it means or is there another meaning behind that? Good question. There's a lot of smarter people than me that can explain that probably much better. But they're not here, so they're, it's on you. They're not, that's <laughs> right. As I would understand, like my understanding of that terminology of fear is not fear as we understand it, but it's more being in awe of, right? So like I am so overwhelmed by everything that God is. So when it says fear God and give glory to him, it means like understand that God is beyond your understanding. You could be in awe of him and that's overcoming, but it's overcoming in a positive way, not a negative way. So yeah, we read that word fear and our English connotations is fear is negative. We don't like to fear things. But my understanding is in that original context. No, 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 it's not fear in the negative. It's like, no, have this incredible, overwhelming sense of God is phenomenal and just be so overcome by that. That's what I understand it to mean by fear God. That's really cool. Um, I, I like, well, I think we've got a good basis now of at least three different types of fear and the way we're going to work with it. Yeah. So, so let's move on. I don't want to have this this episode focused completely on COVID-19, yep. coronavirus, but yep. I think we need to touch on it because yep. that's what the world is faced with at the moment. Totally. So there's a lot of fear about that because I guess it is unknown for a lot of people. Um, for a lot of people, it's a known and they're going through it and they're still scared. Yeah. Uh, so fear, COVID-19, how do we how do we deal with that? How do we interact with that? I know yeah. it's a broad question, but no, let's just start digging into that. Totally, and it's funny too because, like you said before, like people fear things that they know. We know what this thing is, or at least a large chunk of it, yeah. but we don't know where it's going. Mm. And we hear things about it exponentially rising, right? The cases and the death rate being higher than this and that, and we know all these things. So that compounds in our mind and our mind runs in a million different directions and often goes worst case scenario. And even here on campus, like for a lot of our students, my understanding is just in speaking with them is just the frustration that comes with, yeah. we have a thing and we don't know where it's going. And it seems like every day it's changing. Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of the students on campus right now are definitely feeling um, uh, fear of the unknown. Yeah. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And we really see that and we struggle with that because we see a lot of our leaders and stuff also have got no idea yeah. because you can take it up the ladder all the way to the top, to the top of whoever's running Australia and yeah. everything. And we've got no idea. Even they don't know. So we're kind of dealing with it day by day. That's right. And so we've got no idea what's going on. And yeah, that frustration kicks in, but there's definitely a lot of like worry and a yeah. lot of fear as can I go home? Can I see my family? Am I going to be in isolation? Can I not come back to college for another like two yeah. months because I'm in ISO or whatever? 
So yeah, that's definitely running rampant on college right now. And yeah. a lot of people are really scared. Huge. And that's the thing too. And I guess like in these moments, like when, when I get overwhelmed with fear too, because again, we're meaning making machines, right? We want to make meaning or we want to make sense of it. And me as a human, I don't know if you've picked this up, but I quite like to plan and know where I'm going. And I like to be <laughs> like organized to a point. So something like this all of a sudden throws unknowing into the elements, right? Like Yesterday, our mid-semester break, the, on the day of recording this, it's Monday. Um, yesterday, Sunday, our mid-semester break was going to start on the end of Friday. And now it's starting at the end of today, right? <laughs> like that kind of throws things around a little bit. Yeah. We had a good laugh in class about that with our lecturer and right. they found out the same time we did and yeah. it was a good time. Like we're all finding out this information at the same time. So what I'm invited to do, because even yesterday talking with my wife, we're, we're talking through like how much of this do we let our son know who's three, who can't comprehend heaps, but comprehends enough to know he's been home for a really long time. <laughs> so what do we do? And like we, he could go to preschool today, but we've decided not to send him. You know what I mean? So we're like, oh, what do we do? So for me, I look at this and, and I have to look at it objectively, as objectively as possible, because um, otherwise my mind will just run a million miles an hour in the what ifs. So I, when I'm looking at this, try and separate myself and go, okay, what am I actually afraid of? What is it that I'm nervous about? And then when it comes to this, okay, so it's the fear of the unknown. I don't know what will happen. Um, will we still have work? What will this, what will that? Mm. And then I remind myself, you know what? Me spending my, my brain, mental energy worrying about this isn't actually going to change the result. So rather than getting fixated on the what ifs, what I'm going to do is focus on what I do know and what I can do. I'm going to focus there. But that takes real intentionality, right? Mm. Because by default, that is not the way my brain works. Like I want to know, I'm projecting, I'm going, right? But for me, pausing, taking a breath, and trying as best as possible to remove myself and ask questions of myself, I find really helpful. That might not work for everybody, but for me, trying to ask questions of what is it that I'm afraid about and what is it that I can control and what is it that I can't control? I think it can be helpful. Mm. That's cool. I, I, I look at it like, you know, when we had floods and we had bushfires just a few months ago, this world is a crazy place. Um, but I guess for me, I could see it if I wanted to, I could have got into a helicopter and gone up and seen the parts of Australia that were on fire and right. seen that. But with this, it's you can't see a thing. Like you don't know if anyone mm. else has it. It's not like you've got a neon light above your head that says I have totally. coronavirus. And so you can't see it. Uh, how how do you deal with hmm. not being able to see? And yeah. I'll be interested how you answer this because it leads on to, I guess, a question about God. Ooh, good. A fun lead on. So your question is like how... How do you deal with it when you can't mm. can't see it? Yeah, there's just there's there's nothing. Yeah, and again, like that's essentially our whole lives. Like that's and this is where like I think separating ourselves and reminding ourselves that that's no real difference to how we live day to day. We actually don't know what's coming. You know what I mean? Like I could be hit by a car, and I can't see that coming. There's so many things in our life that I can't see coming that are just so far beyond my control. And I guess at that moment, I'm presented with an opportunity, like. Do I go into an existential freakout crisis <laughs> tailspin? Um, or what can I focus on? And instead, for me, what I try and do to help myself is go, how can I add value to the people around me? So for me, in my chaplaincy space, all our events got cancelled. <laughs> all of our student mentoring essentially got cancelled. So now there's one segment left, pastoral care. Okay, well, how do we care when we're all locked away, right? Mm. And that all of a sudden presents an opportunity, right? And to me, this is the fun relationship we have with fear. It's how we come into it. Because fear can either shut you down and hold you in place and hold you down, or it can invite creativity to the surface. You get what I'm saying? 
because in my mind, creativity thrives in these sorts of environments because we can't do what we did before. So now we have to do things differently. How do we do pastoral care now? Because I can't just walk into the boys' dorm and meet with you all. Can't do that now. What do we do? That's fun. And that, for me, helps deal with the things that I can't control. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's, let's talk about, let's get practical, I mm-hmm. guess. Advice for people who are listening to this podcast and I guess our audience is specifically students at, at Avondale. Yeah. If you're not listening, welcome. Thank you for listening. That's amazing. <laughs> we didn't expect that. But uh, let's have some advice in general. How do we deal with the fear that is surrounding COVID-19? Yeah, good. So the whole the whole relationship with, with, with fear and emotion in general, like Pastor Nim said something to me um, one day that I found really interesting. He is the man. He is. Uh, he's, if, again, if you're not 100% sure who that is, he's the lead visionary at Avondale College Church. Uh, and I was talking to him about fear and like or actually emotion in general. And he said um, that emotion isn't something to be feared, but it's just like, um, like a, a light that switches on, like a trigger to say, it's your body going, hey, pay attention to something. Something's going on here. Fear isn't, or emotion isn't necessarily something that we're called to respond to straight away, right? So when an emotion hits, don't respond to it straight away, but pause and ask yourself the question, body's trying to flag me down saying something's going on. What is it that's going on? So again, with fear and this whole corona space that we're in, um, when that fear kicks in, I guess we're invited to go, why am I feeling afraid? What am I feeling afraid of? And having that discipline and maybe time on your own, because I can't do this in public, I need to process by, my, by myself, but look at fear and try and remove it. So in my own mind, I'm like, okay, I'm a student, I'm, I'm freaking out. Why is that? Why am I nervous? Why am I afraid? What are the things that I'm scared of? And then sort of even writing them down. And I find that in and of itself can be very therapeutic because mm-hmm. I'm getting out of my head. Because for me, getting things out of my head is so helpful. So I guess my first piece of advice would be write some stuff down and then play with what you see on the page. Why are those things scaring me? Can I have any control of them? What do I have control over on my page? Or what are some things that I could invest in that I do have control over? Yo, that's sick. That's awesome. Um, So we're in this space where we're here at Avondale and we're students and we're looking at either lockdown or isolation or evacuation or something. And we're the unknown's happening and we're a bit afraid. There are people in churches where they've been going yeah. to church every single weekend yeah. of their entire lives and now they've got to turn to technology yeah. for their church service. They're losing that song and praise. They're losing all kinds of interactions that they have at church. We have people that are stuck at home that are in lockdown with their families yeah. and they can't, they can't leave. They can't go out and do the normal daily things. Um, we have people locked down everywhere. What I want to lead into is we also have people that are terrified, as you can see, with these people panic buying all this stuff <laughs> in yeah. like Woolies and Coles. Yeah. How can we, in what it seems to be kind of lockdown or it seems to be in this really restrictive space, how can we reach the community? What can we do to like, because you've just shared with us what we should do with our own fear. Yeah. What can we do with other people's fear? What so can good. we do with other people's, like the community? Really good. I think like when you interact with another person and they're potentially a bit chaotic or anxious, um, you, you got a choice. You can either bring them into your calm or you can get sucked into their chaos, right? So I think having that intentional posture to go, I'm going to be the person that's going to bring people into my calm. I'm not going to get sucked into somebody else's chaos because it's so easy to do. And for me, that's why this relationship with fear isn't something to be avoided, but it's just something to be cognizant of, something to be aware of. Like understand it, that it's there and it's real, but don't fear it. So go into a situation with intention. How can I bring the other person I'm interacting with into my calm? 
And it can just be as simple as the way that you hold yourself can be carving. As simple as your body, like your posture, sometimes that can be all it takes. Or just you having a slower rate of speech than the person who may be feeling very freaked out. Like honestly, it's being intentional about those little one percenters that might seem like it's nothing, but they really do communicate. So I guess that's what I would say. Um, and in the church space too, I, I love seeing now churches having to reinvent themselves. Mm. I love that. Mm. Because remember we said before, like when boundaries and restrictions come in, that's a perfect space for creativity to thrive. And we see that. Even on Saturday, uh, watching online all the various communities across the, the church space, like watching people do their thing, it was awesome. Mm. And like there was a big variety of what took place. So It was uh, amazing. I was able to have like three or four, yeah. attend three or four different churches all in the <laughs> one Sabbath. It was awesome. Without even leaving the comfort of your room. <laughs> but like even like from a college church perspective, so we were doing like essentially a pretty regular program where we had hosting, we had singing, we had sermon, we had prayer, offering, all the normal things, but we just pre-recorded. But then you would have other communities that would gather around in somebody's living room and open the word together. There's no right or wrong way. Everyone's figuring it out. And that's awesome. Like this is a time of innovation. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. Like you can be confronted with the fear and the negativity that comes with news. And it's not that we should be ignorant and push those things aside and not be in the know. We should be 100%. But that, in my opinion, shouldn't be what drives us. We've got something greater that drives us, something that's about calling us to add value into wherever we find ourselves. That drives us. That's exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, we're going to slowly start to transition away okay. from Corona. But yep. one little snippet that I found on Facebook, um, and I'm just going to read it, yep. get what your thoughts are, and then we're going to okay. move towards, uh, let's, let's look at um, a biblical perspective of this and, yep. and how it was dealt with. This on Facebook, was, it says, Ellen White wrote the warning about the end times around 120 years ago. And our church, that being the Adventist church, has been preaching the end message since. With Noah, he warned the people of the flood to come, and it took 120 years. Is this a coincidence or what? Yes. It is a coincidence. I, I, you didn't sound very sure with that. No, no. <laughs> no I, so you're telling me we're not hitting end times right now. Is that what you're trying to tell <laughs> no, me? No, I'm saying that the, the coincidence between 120 years of Ellen White writing something and 120 years of Noah preaching is a coincidence. 100%. In my opinion, of course that's not a coincidence. Um, I think that Ellen White writes and speaks some incredible counsel and she speaks there, of course, that we're heading towards a time of the end and that's inevitable and we've been going that way for a long time. That's the message to take away. But to be spending this time Oh, here we go. Now we're going on a little tangent, but we'll be right. We'll be short and it'll be Let's sweet. Go. It's going to be wonderful. For me, I find it frustrating when people who profess Christianity spend more time looking for links between timelines like that than actually adding value to their community. To me, you've got a choice to make. You can sit in your room and jump on Facebook and make these links and call them coincidences or not, or look, this person wrote about this all these years ago. Look, isn't that amazing? Yeah, cool, that is, sure. But what's more amazing is you're actually called to be a person of influence, to be an ambassador for God. So what are you going to do about it? My opinion, sitting in your room and linking dates together may not be the best way of spending that. Amen. Maybe. Mm, I like that. Um, let's talk about the Gospels and specifically in the Gospels, we have a couple of really cool stories of, and these are the ones that jump to mind, of uh, you have the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, mm -hmm. they, they're crossing from one side to the other mm -hmm. and a massive storm whips up, is yep. threatening to kill them all. Yep. They're afraid, they're scared, they rebuke Jesus for being asleep. He stands up, calms it all and then turns around and says, why, do you, why are you afraid? Do yeah. you have no faith? And and then they get to the other side and life goes on. And there's another time when th 
they're on the boat again and Jesus walks out to them on the water yeah. and they're afraid because they think it's a ghost. And so we see in these examples them being afraid even when they, A, are seeing Jesus yeah. or have the presence of Jesus with them yeah. and they're still afraid. And then Jesus turns around and goes, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. come on, I'm right here. Yeah. Um, do you really think I don't care about you? So we have these examples of the disciples being with Jesus and being afraid and Jesus saying, look, just calm down, I'm here. Yeah. So we have these examples. We have the presence of Jesus with us, so we should realistically learn from their examples and not, but we don't. Yeah. Let's dig into that. Cool. I mean, to me, one of the things that I love most about the Bible, one of the things, is that it essentially paints the human story. It paints a normal human experience. You see a storm coming that's going to threaten your life. Unless there was something a little bit wrong with you, you would most likely fear for your life, yeah? Like, regardless if the God of the universe is in your presence, like, that's a nerve-wracking situation. Because often emotion is just completely automatic. It doesn't happen just, oh, I'm going to choose to switch it on uh, or switch it off. Like... I'm going to be afraid of what's in front of me. But the kicker is what happens next, right? Like it's normal to be afraid. Like fear isn't something to be avoided or to feel bad about. Or I have a faith in Jesus, so I should never be, never be afraid. No, that's not realistic because you're a human and I'm flawed, you're flawed. The question is though, is after the fear hits, what do we then do with it, right? And Jesus is very good at going, hey, remember, like I'm here. You notice like he brings us into his calm. I love that. And that's like the piece of like him comes like the the old testament speaks into it the jewish community loves it the whole idea of shalom that peace that exists in the face of crisis like that's the goodness that jesus brings Mm -hmm. but that doesn't negate a natural human reaction of fear but we're invited to not live in that but to go oh no hang on yes my body's flagging that yep i'm scared but it's okay because i'm grounded in god Mm -hmm. and god's present with me that's good that's awesome. So what should my response be to someone that's trying to tell me, oh, you shouldn't be scared, you shouldn't be afraid. If you're scared and afraid, you obviously don't have a strong relationship with God or yeah. you don't have faith. And that could be scared of anything, not just COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, my natural reaction is to, is to try and see it from their perspective and go, okay, they're facing a lot of fear. Like people say things like that because that's essentially what they're facing and they'll try and put a strong facade up, but they're freaking out too. So it's often like you've heard the thing like hurt people, hurt people. To me, like when I see somebody try and like come at me like that, my natural reaction is to want to come back at them like that and give them a serve. But trying as best as possible to go, no, no, where are they coming from? Like trying to remove myself from it for a minute and see it from their worldview, they're scared too. Mm. So again, I have an opportunity to bring them into my calm and they may not necessarily agree with me in that moment or come along to my way of thinking, that's okay, but I know who I am. I know who my God is Mm. and I don't need to be triggered or set off by that other person, even though it is really frustrating and annoying. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about, let's keep going on that. If you go to the end of the Bible, we reach Revelation and we talk about the end times and we learn so much of this craziness and and the imagery and everything. And it, it, it can be really scary at times when you look at it. Yeah. And you have conversations, I have conversations anyway with a lot of people and to them the end times are terrifying. Whether yeah. it's, um, oh, I don't want to be persecuted or what's it actually going to be like? It's, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to... And, and it's this whole, at the end of it, yes, Jesus is coming back. That's amazing, I can't wait for that. Mm. But between that, I don't want to go through that. Let's, yeah. let's get through my life, I'll die of old age and then we can deal with the end times after that. Yeah. And the next, How do we deal with that? Because that is scary, but it's also something that as Christians, we're called to, hey, this is amazing. The end times are coming. This is awesome. Jesus is coming back. Yeah. Just get ready. It's going to be scary. How do we deal with that? <laughs> yeah, good question. And that was my reality too. Like I didn't grow up as a Christian. So coming into it, um, like hearing people's 
ideas and conversations around the end times made me feel really scared and frustrated. But because uh, I, did, I didn't understand it. Like, why does it need to be that way? Like, why can't it just be nice and sweet? And I don't understand it. It's fear-based. And then I found this awesome book called Finding Jesus in the Book of Revelation when I was in college. And it was awesome because it was written by a, an Adventist pastor that kind of starts by saying, I hate Revelation like you probably do too. But don't worry, I found Jesus in it. We'll link this in the show notes. Cool. It's a great book. Like, it's actually really good. Well, that's fun. I've never heard that before. Link it to the show notes. There we go. That's great. Wish we could do that with sermons, right? Like, wait, by the way, there'll be resources at the end. That'd be great. But anyway, this book just showed me, and it reminds me, and I love this too, in Revelation chapter 1, when the letter is written to the seven churches, it starts off with something really simple. It's grace and peace. And that's a greeting, sure, but it's also a posture. And I love God's first posture and lasting posture towards his people, one of grace and peace, which means that this whole book of Revelation, which is actually about Jesus, is is kept in these beautiful confines of grace and peace. So to me, that book seems scary because it's crazy because of the imagery it uses. Like It'd be a sick movie. Wouldn't it? It probably wouldn't. It'd be quite traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> It'd have to have a hectic rating on it. But like, it's a weird, mucked up story of craziness. But it was written to a group of people that had to listen to it for a really long time. So it had, had to be dynamic. If John just sort of whipped out his pen and went, well... This is what's going to happen. It probably wouldn't be super yeah. captivating. So he, he writes in this elaborate, incredible language that meant something to them. And it can mean something to us too, but we have to do a bit more work for it because we're mm. so far removed. Mm. But what I'm saying is fear as well, historically in Christianity, has been used to control the masses. So we've kind of got a little bit of this in our Christianity, just a little sprinkling, control the masses with fear and hell and you'll go here if you don't give enough money to the church or you know what I'm saying, <laughs> mixed with just a misunderstanding of scripture that's a bit foreign, bring them together and it's easy to see why we fear the end. But the benefit is, is that actually, even the book of Revelation is a real book of beauty. You've got to do a little bit of work to try and dig through the metaphor, but it's actually beautiful and it's a book of grace and peace. And that for me removes a great deal of the fear. Do you have any tips or recommendations on how to get through this um, scary chunk of the Bible, Revelation. Mm. Is there something that we can do, we can read prior or something that we can, a way that we can tackle it or, or a point of view or a mindset that we can come into reading this book with? I think like reading that, I think it's by Seth Pierce, that finding Jesus in the book of Revelation, like that's a, that's a very good book. I think you can get it online too. Um, have a read of that. I, I honestly found that really helpful. I still had to do my own work with it afterwards to try and go, okay, okay how does that actually apply to me? But just having this mindset of constantly attempting and attempting is the kicker, attempting to put ourselves in the mind of the original people. Like, how did they hear this? Mm. Like, what were they hearing? Why was this metaphor used? What would have that meant to them? And doing that research, you can all of a sudden go, oh, the metaphor may be a little irrelevant to me, but the transferable principle is gold. Yeah. yeah? So sometimes we've got to do a bit of work because that stuff was written quite a long time ago, but it still <laughs> speaks and speaks of goodness. Awesome. So we're in a crazy world right now. And for argument's sake... Let's pretend I'm a non-believer, right? Yeah. So I don't believe. Show me your God in this messy world. Like, yeah. where is your God right now during this t crazy time that we're all in? Yeah. To, to, to quote the supermarkets um, for, for a moment, I think it's really cool that, like, Woolworths were like, you know what? In amongst all this craziness, we're going to make an hour of, of our opening hours just for the elderly because they're not really getting through right now and they're getting pummeled by the panic buyers. And then Coles jumps on board and then all of the other big shopping centers all jump on board. To me, that's God in action right there because that's big corporate companies putting the interests of the less fortunate or the less able before them just turning a profit. 
I love that. I think that's incredible. So for me, I see God in that. I don't see God causing this, but I see God doing things and stitching things and, and moving things forward. And that's complicated and I can't convince you to believe in God, but I can maybe point you to things that I see God in. And to me, I think it's as simple as the supermarkets uniting and having an hour of trading for the elderly. To me, that's, that's God in action. That's amazing. I think that's a really a nice just place to finish off. Um, we want to thank you so much for coming in and having a chat with us. Obviously, if you're a student here, we know how to get in contact with you. But yeah. if we're not, best way to get in contact with you, if any of anything that we've talked about, you know, want to jump in and have a chat with you personally, how can we contact you? I'm a machine on emails. <laughs> but only twice a day. Yeah, yeah <laughs> actually. But it's, like you can email, um, or I suppose like all of the social media goodness, you can just search my name and you'll find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Salt Podcast. Uh, as you go out from here, just remember, Jesus loves you and be kind to others. Let's not yell at each other at the supermarkets. Let's be kind. Thanks for listening and stay salty. Bye.